Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, not these guys again. Here we are. <laughs> We are going to tackle all things Florida yet again with Dr. Ed Moore. I am Preston Scott. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. You know, yeah. Another beautiful day in paradise. Yeah. But, you know, what's to complain about? <laughs> Just ignore what's going on on the television and everything's okay. Yeah. There's a lot of that, isn't there? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to tackle that. We're going to, in our community spotlight, I'm going to throw Dr. Moore a curveball. We're going to talk about Wiki Watchy. Wiki Wachi was, but is no more, and we're gonna. We're, I, I want to talk about <laughs> that. A little alliteration there. Yes, you know, Wiki was. But. Well, the alliteration ends there. But at any rate, talk a little bit of law and no order. Uh, can some of the things that we're watching nationally happen in the Sunshine State? In the Wayback Machine, Alligator Joe Campbell. I cannot wait. Our nine good minutes uh, interview I did just a few days ago with U.S. Department of Interior Secretary David Barnhart. Sorry, David Bernhardt. And, um, and and I want to get Ed's reaction to that interview as well as bring up a couple of other topics. But first, update us the reset, reset. of the Sunshine State. Uh, we're resetting. Uh, we you know we, Catch everybody up again on the committee. Well, this is a group that was put together by uh, uh, four major associations here in Florida. The Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. The National Federation of Independent Business, the Florida Retail Federation, and Associated Industries of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got together and decided, you know, we need to do see what uh, go about opening our state and reopening our state and putting us in a better footing for moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this COVID nineteen caught everyone by surprise. Uh, the governments took action that caught some folks by surprise uh you know you, you're not always prepared for a natural disaster or an emergency i mean it's, it's a, so we're, we're kind of taking a hard look at those kind of things what could uh what could be done to make changes in law changes in state funding on programs uh and enable that would enable all the businesses across florida and we're talking a lot of employers I mean, we've got 96 or 97 now i think we're up to uh, major employers in Florida and associations in Florida from every kind of industry working on this, uh, broken out by you know liability and tort reform issues, uh, workforce preparation, large employer issues, small employer issues. I mean, it's a full spectrum. Tax issues, mm-hmm. uh, coming up with uh, ideas, and uh, my ultimate responsibility is going to be to take uh, two giant stacks of information and condense it down into usable form. Uh, for both the executive and legislative branches here in Florida, and hopefully create a, a continuing dialogue with government and government and industry to uh, to strengthen our state and help us to get back where we need to be. If I step back and look at the issue on a macro level nationally, and then drill down to Florida, it seems to me, just observing, that lessons have been learned. Oh, yeah. 
there there seems to be a reluctance to we're get, we're not going to go back to closing and shutting everything down if we have a recurrence of this we're going to be a lot more deliberate is that your impression because governor ron DeSantis had a pretty strong week in dealing with some pushback yeah and i think most people forget we we, we got accustomed quickly to this shutdown you know, I mean, which is kind of unusual. Yeah. Seeing that the public quickly reacted and went, okay, you know, <laughs> which is... A lot know. of people thought we have four weeks off. Cool. Yeah. And and what we forget is the reason for the shutdown, for going, and I've said this before on this show, the reason for the shutdown was to flatten the curve so that our health systems didn't get overrun. We didn't know what COVID-19 was going to bring back then. We had no idea. You know, they called it a pandemic in pan and like in panic i mean people went oh my god it's you know we're going to be overrun the hospitals are going to be filled uh, and you can look around the country i mean the federal government built basically military hospitals in major urban areas they brought a hospital ship into new york they had a giant hospital set up in central park in new york it didn't get used and the hospital ship didn't get used not for covid it, what went on in there was normal patients going there uh when we had that capability here in florida and we didn't need it we almost bankrupted hospitals all over the country worried about that they were going to be overrun yeah and the beds were empty so we learned a lot we've learned a lot in 90 days roughly uh and does anybody want to talk about some of those lessons though because well, we do. i'm not yeah, but i'm not sure that that there's a lot of willingness to say we went too far well, but, and I'm not necessarily yeah. saying we as in Florida, but, no, but just well, in general. All the way across the board, we've learned that perhaps we went too far, but you never know if we did or not. Maybe those changes and shutting down kept it from being that giant pandemic. Could you be. Know, we, we don't know, and we probably never will know on that. But what we did learn is... Uh, what was what is the capacity of our hospitals? What what is the capacity of our intensive care units? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got plenty of uh, ventilators now and PPEs and all that. So in that sense, it was a hard lesson learned, but we're much better positioned to deal with something like this again. So uh, it, there's it's so nuanced and so complicated. Uh, but I think I go back to the fact that we just didn't know much. And and federal government didn't know much. The president put together this task force, and but they didn't know. They really had no idea, and they relied on modeling that you can't model when you don't have a baseline. And but they were trying well, to well, modeling is model. totally dependent on what's going in too. Yeah, as far but, as data, but and, there was no baseline of knowing where what really was going to happen. Yeah, so they guessed at what might happen, and we reacted to that. Now we know better. If it happens in Florida, the odds are good. We're going to tackle it at some point in the hour. Dr. Ed Moore with me. I'm Preston Scott, all things Florida. When we come back, um, not quite nine good minutes, but it was about seven and a half with the Interior Secretary for the United States, David Bernhardt, next on All Things Florida. thrilled to have with us this morning the secretary for the department of interior with the united states and he is the honorable secretary david bernhardt mr secretary how are you sir 
I'm fantastic, Preston. Uh, it's great to visit with you today. Hey, tell me about the tour that you've been on over the last day or so in our region. Where have you, where have you been? Well, we started out uh, out by Pensacola and are heading a little south. And right now, today, we're at St. Mark's uh, Wildlife Refuge, um, where they really are the center of um, wildlife uh, preventive fire, uh, what preventive wildfire uh, treatment center. And what we're going to be doing is um, engaging in a uh, preventive um, burn. And if you uh, know um, the president, you know very clearly that he feels very strongly that we need to actively manage our forests and wildlands um, to prevent um, ex- you know, exceptionally large uh, fires. And we do that primarily with prescribed burning uh, to manage our, our forests well. And so uh, we'll be uh, taking advantage of an opportunity to do a prescribed burn. And and it should be um, good for the environment and great for the great for today. That's really what went wrong in California in recent years. They they put limits on the amount of control that they're doing in the underbrush, which has really contributed to some of those massive wildfires. Right? You're absolutely right. You know the president is a decisive leader who um, you know wants to ensure that we're safer and stronger and more prosperous. And the reality is that common sense um, is, a, is an important and necessary ingredient to fire management. And the reality is that actively managing your forest um, with, with activities like prescribed burning and even appropriate um, uh, sustainable um, harvesting, those things really tremendously um, impact the likelihood of catastrophic wildfire by minimizing them. And so it is an exceptional thing to do. The president gave us a very clear directive on uh, the amount of prescribed burning he wanted to see. Last year, we exceeded that. We did over 1.4 million acres, and a, and a little over 216,000 of those acres were in Florida itself. And so it's a tool that we've really used and continue to use and will continue to expand and prior administrations just let things get out of control, and uh, we can't do that. U.S. Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt with me for a few moments this morning. And, uh, Mr. Secretary, how has COVID presented an environment where you've really – I would imagine it's been like walking a tightrope with, uh, you know, employees of the Department of Interior. Well, you know, our, our employees um, are, are fantastic. They're dedicated and they're passionate. Um, uh, to, to their cause. And uh, what we, what we have uh, done is ensured um, we've really worked. We had, we had a number of commissioned public health officers that I sat down with in the very beginning of this and said, we, ha- we have an objective here during this process, period of time. And that objective is to ensure the safety of our employees, ensure the safety of our visitors. We have a lot of visitors. And, um, and do things in a way that um, is appropriate. And and what we've done is we've made a few changes um, to the way um, we will um, man some of our man camps, and we've done things to minimize um, the 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 impact and help slow the spread. And remember, slowing the spread was about uh, ensuring that our medical capacity 
in our nation would not be overwhelmed. And we're in a dramatically different place today uh, than we were when the president um, began uh, that effort and the American people stepped up and, and allowed the, the medical uh, community to not be um, overtaxed. Uh, and um, and now they're far better prepared. Mr. Secretary, you have been in Pensacola, Panama City Beach, Cape Sandblast, now St. Mark's. Um, you have a proposal to expand hunting and fishing opportunities in the area. Tell us quickly about that. Well, it's um, phenomenal. You know, the president, President Trump, has been crystal clear uh, that he wanted to have a great uh, conservation stewardship. A program, and really, since day one of his administration, we have been focused on expanding access and opportunities for hunters and anglers. Because the reality is, hunters and anglers um, are the backbone of America's conservation model. They provide through um, sales of uh, licenses and also through um, uh, taxes that they pay on particular equipment. They provide the vast majority of resources that are used for wildlife conservation in this country. And what we have done is we've worked very hard to expand access and opportunities. And we uh, have a proposal out um, that we'll finalize in September that will expand opportunities just in this year alone um, to, for new and expanded opportunities to an additional 2.3 million acres. And when we complete that, we will have through the president's uh, first three and a half years, we will have um, expanded opportunities on over 4 million acres of um, fish and wildlife refuge lands. And that is a tremendous uh, thing because what that means is uh, more of us can get outside, uh, more of us can take advantage of um, great opportunities that are nearby. And uh, importantly, um, we can also further uh, wildlife conservation efforts at the same time. And so it's, it's, it's really part of um, a central part of the president's um, conservation um, management program. The other thing that we're doing um, that, that got some great action yesterday is the president is committed to improving the infrastructure at our parks and wildlife refuges that really have fallen in disrepair over the years. And um, the Senate yesterday uh, just moved forward with his um, bold uh, approach of restoring um, those facilities and permanently funding um, the wild land, and water, uh, land and Water Conservation Fund effort. And the Senate just passed a bill yesterday um, that really is central to this, and a vote is 73 to 25. And so it heads to the House. So the president is really leading on these issues. Um, the media doesn't give him a lot of uh, credit for them, but he really is um, leading and getting results in these areas for the American people. And so that's some of the things we're discussing. My visit a couple days ago with the Secretary of the U.S. Department of Interior, David Bernhardt. Um, first, good to see the Interior hanging out in the panhandle oh yeah it was great because uh, we have <laughs> a lot of national forests and yeah. all around us here so uh, and that's a big part of their responsibility most people don't understand that that department manages or controls about 20 percent of the land in the continental and united states uh, huge could there 20%, be 20 percent one out one out of every five acres they they control i mean could you look at a more stark contrast in the way states approach issues 
granted, we may not have the acreage and forests that California has overall, but California has not managed their forestry. Correct. We have. And you look at the disaster that has happened to those poor folks in in California through wildfires. You know, they're they're devastating. And I went I went back and read some on the that department. And since 1949, only three of the secretaries in that department have been from east of the Mississippi River. Most of them have been Western state type people, uh, like Babbitt and Watt and uh, Ick, uh, uh, There's a long list of them. But I went through the whole list back. It, the place was formed in, in uh, May 3rd, 1849, that department was formed. And I, you know, I've, in my head, I thought, oh, probably something during Teddy Roosevelt era. No, 50-plus uh, years prior to Teddy Roosevelt, the Department of the Interior. And then I remembered, well, when you watch all the old Westerns, and yeah. you always had the Indian Affairs agent. Mm-hmm. and Well, they were all part of the old Department of the Interior. So, yeah, they have been around a long time. They they manage in the West critical issues, and critical issues to Florida, too, are water-related issues. But in the West, it's huge. Who controls the river flows? They've been battling those fights for for decades and decades. We're battling it now mainly because of population rise in our area. And one other interesting little factoid is that gentleman that uh, you interviewed is eighth in line to be president of the United States in order of succession. Uh, and that, you know, you people forget that it's laid out, uh, you know, it's laid out in statute who becomes president when something happens to the president of the United States and the vice president and the speaker of the house. And you go down the list, secretary of the interior, number eight. <laughs> couple minutes left. I didn't get a chance to talk with the secretary about this, but what are your thoughts on where the Supreme Court's going to come down on that water war that's primarily between Georgia and Florida? Yeah, really difficult. Uh, you know, that's that's a tough one to, you know, we, we joked earlier about it. Are you going to put a wall down the length of the river down the middle and all the water that flows on the inside? You need two walls, I guess. Yeah. All the water that funnels through the inside, we get to keep. And the water that's on the outside, they get to use. It's a it's a population growth issue more than anything, and with the growth of North Georgia over the last thirty years, uh, there, that's where the water consumption's coming from. Isn't it considered a national resource, though? Well, yeah, but uh, for consumption purposes. That, well, that's the question, yeah, right? That's yeah. what's before the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. we're going to tell Georgia, okay, you can't grow anymore. You know, <laughs> okay, stop. Nobody else move into Georgia. Well, all those people moving into Florida, they're using up. Not the river that flows down through the Apalachicola, right? But they're using up our springs and other water all across our state all the time. Are you going to have growth limits, or are you going to figure out other ways to produce water? Well, I, I okay. selfishly think we're at the bottom of the country, yeah. and, and so whatever, whatever flows, we do, we get to keep it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or they think, well, whatever we let you have. Yeah, and that's really what it's boiling down to. Yeah, yeah, and it's tough. Uh, it's, it's killed an industry. It's killed the you know the oyster industry in, yeah. in, in the Apalachicola Bay area. So it is all things Florida, though, and that's what we'll continue to talk about. The Wayback Machine beckons alligator Joe Campbell. We'll talk about whoever he is next. <laughs> And we're back. All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I am Preston Scott. Good to be with you this morning. One of my favorites, the Wayback Machine. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> Where did you come up with Alligator Joe Campbell? I just keep scrounging and searching for interesting stories, people that uh, and, and events and attractions that people really aren't aware of. And you know, I I grew up uh, during an era in Florida when roadside kind of attractions were what you did. Uh, this is pre Disney. Really pre around 1971, 72, when the Disney modernization of tourist attractions occurred. Prior to that, it was you know doing things like going to St. Augustine in the old jail and the the largest alligator ever seen. Those, those kind of things. Yeah. yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That's brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus here well there's this guy alligator joe campbell is what he later became called but his real okay. name he was real name was hubert campbell uh he was an englishman he was born in india in 1872 his father was uh, a prominent high-level english soldier Back when England occupied India, uh, mad dogs and Englishmen stand out in the noonday sun. You know? Okay. Well, you know, he figured uh, it's a little hot in India. I think I'll go to Florida. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So somehow he ended up in Jacksonville. And as we've talked in the past, back in the late 1800s, uh, when prior to Henry Flagler coming down, and you know. That area was where that began the era of Florida hotels and of Florida as an escape. People would come from the north, but the railroads kind of stopped right around Jacksonville. And so that's where people would go. Uh, and Alligator Joe uh, went in there and he was somewhat of a naturalist. Mm-hmm. He, he was uh, he realized that uh, we were going to have a problem with alligators. Uh, they estimate that. In the 1880s, about two and a half million alligators were killed in Florida alone. It was a sport. Steamboats would go up and down the St. Johns River, and they would just have target shooting and shooting alligators in the river. Uh, there was a lot of gator harvesting for pelt, not for pelts, but for the hides. And it was a huge industry and, and the meat. But he decided to open up a uh, gator farm uh, to try to preserve the species. And he merged a thriving ostrich farm, which is kind of interesting, that was in the area. He merged it with his gator farm in 1912. Obviously, kept the gators away from the ostriches, <laughs> but uh, raising both. And in those days, ostrich meat, I mean, it was, they were finding ways to harvest. And he perhaps opened Florida's first, real first tourist attraction in 1912 uh, on Talleyrand Avenue, if you're familiar with Jacksonville, right by the river. They opened up this tourist attraction to go in, and you can see gators and see ostrich and see different things. Um, they used to do ostrich races back in those days, and this guy, Alligator Joe, figured out a way to have alligator races, and he trained alligators to where kids could sit on the backs of gators and and ride alligators. No, he did not. Yeah, he, he had where the alligators would dance to music. They would go up and move. and yeah. Oh, Even yeah. if they put muzzles on their mouths, which they had I'm to do, that, yeah. that's still... You, how did, 
What? Now, gator claws will scratch you up pretty badly. The but... tails will beat the hound out of you, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, in 1907, the Dixieland Park Exposition and Resort opened in Jacksonville. And uh, Joe brought in his alligator act in there, and that was part of the tourist attraction. Gators would slide down chutes and climb ladders, would give kids rides on alligators. Occasionally, they'd eat one, but we don't worry about that now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just teasing on that part. Maybe they did, but they didn't have didn't have a big trial lawyer industry in those days, so they really weren't about. Uh, and, and in 1916, he moved the whole operation to where the Aetna Insurance Building is in Jacksonville, and he and his wife lived on a houseboat on the river, and they managed this giant tourist attraction. Uh, he had gator farms in Palm Beach, Arkansas, and California, uh, raising it for meat and hides, and then. Yeah, keeping them separated. I read one piece on them that they would put no more than 200 alligators in this, in each different different area. So I guess the gators were you know probably eating each other. Uh, Did his business have a name? Uh, not well. I, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't, wasn't I mean, Alligator I was just, Joe's. Uh, well, I was. I mean, yeah. I, it had various names over time, based, okay. based on the tourist attraction aspect of it. Okay. And uh, he died in 1926 at the age of 53. He's buried in Evergreen Cemetery in Jacksonville, and actually has a gator as on his headstone. So, so this is a guy that dedicated his life. Uh, he was only 53 when he passed, but for from his 20s, probably about a 30-year period, uh, he spent his life playing and dealing with alligators. What a great story. And that's something, you know, yeah. you know, little things about Florida. But the thing that attracts me to it mostly is that was old Florida. That was the beginning of Florida as a tourist destination. And that's what people wanted to come here and see. They wanted to see the wildlife. Yeah. O- ostriches aren't native to Florida, but nope. certainly alligators are. And he probably had other sideshows and all kind of other things going on. But, you know, as a kid driving through Florida, those are the kind of places that you would stop. You know, you would stop and see world's large. Everybody had the world's largest alligator. You know, go figure. I guess you. You didn't run to the next one and go, hey, that guy's got a bigger one than you do. I, uh, but it was fascinating. You know, Buck Tower and Cypress Gardens and all those evolved from that kind of a tourist attraction where you went out and walked around and just saw a lot of nature. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, good stuff. You know, the week obviously has been filled with a lot of unrest that's dominating the news. Uh, story stood out to me is uh, down in Hollandale Beach, uh, the police department um SWAT team they uh when the chief took a knee um the the SWAT team felt disrespected and not supported and they quit yeah and you're gonna see that uh, you know you used to call it blue flu uh but when they were in contract negotiation now I think uh, a lot of police forces around the country if you're in that uh, line of work you you really need to rethink whether you're going to be supported in your work by people in positions of authority and too many cities right now uh, uh, just this week portland reduced the police budget by 15 percent. just cut it uh, you know all these major cities start cutting and hamstringing police and not supporting officers uh, officers are going to go do something else for a living because florida is part of the united states we're going to see things here that happen elsewhere as well yeah but the one big takeaway that very few people are talking about, Ed, is I, you know, as a person having two brothers in law enforcement, I'm of the opinion that it would be really easy to justify just saying, "Yeah, I'm out, I'm done," and and leaving. The fact that that's not happening 
widespread across the country tells me what I already know. The overwhelming majority of law enforcement officers took an oath. Yes. They take it seriously. They believe in what they do to protect and serve. And they're going to do it even if they're hated by many. Yeah, but also what you're seeing, in some, particularly in these urban communities, is uh, slow response or not responding. Uh, what happened in Seattle? Uh, you know, you're going to go into a situation that you cannot control, and you don't know what's going to happen. There's going to be a hesitancy to go into that situation. Uh, you know, they, it's it's a it's an extremely difficult time in our country, but I just go back. I mean, in 2011, 9-11, we celebrated first responders. They were the you know the top. I mean, you couldn't be any better than being a first responder. And even as long or short ago as three or four months ago, when this first started, first responders you know they were staying at work. They COVID. Who knew what was going to happen? They were going into. You know, and then, boom, all of a sudden, you've got this uh, animosity towards all law enforcement, and it's just wrong. It's wrong. When you see Seattle in this zone that they've created, let me just ask you in final minute here. Zone of chaos. Anarchy. Pick, take your pick of, of descriptives. Um, could that happen in Florida or not, regardless of what city is doing what, what kind of leadership they have because of our governor? Uh, the governor and as, and as well as we have mayors, I think, that are a different breed than they But have. say we had one that was of socialist bent, as they have in Seattle. Uh, I think it would be shut down rather quickly. In, in, That's in what Florida. I think. And I think Floridians, I'll compliment the heck out of them throughout all of this. The demonstrations, by and large, in Florida have been focused and peaceful. And, and when they've started to get out of hand, the demonstrators were stopping the people trying to get out of hand. Uh, Floridians are good people, and, and I just don't think they're going to tolerate that kind of nonsense like we're seeing in some of these northern states. Dr. Ed Moore, if you're just stumbling upon the radio program or podcast, hmm, this is All Things Florida, and I'm Preston Scott. When we come back, wiki-watchy. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Always does. All things Florida. Another weekend in the Sunshine State. We're into that pattern, though, where at least in in most of Florida, you're going to get an afternoon something come around. Yeah, three o'clock pop up thunderstorms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've got a a, a rule, and and for those of you that do not live in and around the capital city, this will be meaningless to you. But my rule is, it stops at Walmart. Um, it just for whatever the reason on North Thomasville Road, it just stops. It just doesn't get much further north than that. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. It's like it's shopping for discounts. <laughs> you know, how, how does it know? I don't know. I don't know. But but you know, if you're in Central Florida, if you're around the theme parks, there's always you're dodging the afternoon squalls that come through. Yeah, they come right? through. Yeah, well, you're a peninsula surrounded by water. That's what's going to happen. Exactly. Know? And uh, but I but we uh, I can we, remember many times as a kid looking out my front window, and it's pouring directly across the street, and we're not getting a drop at our house. You had a Walmart right by, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> no, they didn't have WalMarts back then. <laughs> it was it wasn't there yet. Um, I was I had a really weird reaction to this story. And uh, kind of a community spotlight in a way. 
Because for years now, 54 years, Wiki-Wachi was. Yeah. And always thought it always will be. But is no more. It's been dissolved. What do you know about this? This first, the evolution of it, and then what happened? Well, it goes back to what I was speaking about earlier, the attractions that evolved and developed in Florida, and a lot of them are now gone. I mean, this is just nearing the end of all this, but... You know, you used to go all kinds of places across Florida that yeah, were a little bit carny, you know, a little well, bit entertainment. Well, uh, you said alligator Joe Campbell. I mean, alligators. Okay, we're playing off the alligators. Let's set aside the ostriches. Is, is it the that's mermaid a, that's thing? That's tough to do to get those ostriches. I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, they don't like that. Um, but is it the mermaid thing, the peninsula, the ocean around us? Is yeah. that what the... Yeah, it was just part of the whole thing. I the mean, shtick. Yeah, yeah, I mean the Cypress Gardens Water Ski Act and loved it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. I saw to it see. as a kid. Yeah, me too, and and it was great to see. But we require more now. I think out of entertainment, uh, you know, natural kinds of things aren't fascinating enough to enough people. I love them. I mean, I I'd rather be doing all that than mechanical IT and all that. But it, they're they're passe. I. I'm probably going to upset you because I'm that guy who has been in Florida now since 1987. You're a Floridian. I'm a Floridian. Yes, okay, are, yeah. fair enough. But I always thought Wikiwachi was like a a place to be entertained. I didn't know that it was an actual community. Yeah, it's a it was a township. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they incorporated. Did they incorporate because of the Wiki-Wachi attraction? I'm not sure on that. I don't know. Uh, but more than likely, it just kept growing. I mean, you had to have people that lived in the area to work there, and it, it would grow. It, was, uh, it took a natural resource and turned it into a tourist attraction. And Florida is loaded with places like that. Uh, but you know, less government is probably a good thing. I mean, I, you know, I'm not upset. When but that ironically, it was government that really hurt the area because the what the city, the town attorney uh, allegedly stole a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and that's not uncommon either in some of these smaller communities. And, uh, and so it became insolvent. Yeah, it couldn't support itself. Couldn't and, support itself. So. Well, how many regular residents did they have? Like twelve or something like not, that? Not a lot. It's pretty, yeah. pretty small place. Yeah, and uh, you know it is what it is. And uh, population size thirteen. Thirteen. Well, they grew. <laughs> <laughs> but the governor signed the the uh, proclamation a couple weeks ago or whatever it was that dissolved the city. Yeah. So it now basically fades into the county. It's yeah, county. And and uh I mean there are counties in Florida that have way too many municipalities. I mean even in our bigger urban counties you'd go down to Broward County there was 56 or 57 incorporated municipalities in that one county. You talk about layers of government and additional costs and inefficiencies. That's where it is in government. As a guy who always has his eye looking back in history and looking through the one, lens one of eye one eye, eye, yeah, absolutely. Yep. What What do you think the reaction ought to be that Wikiwachi is no more? A morning. We should have a period yeah. of morning. Okay. Put the flags at half staff. You know. Or the tails. The tails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe have. Maybe do something with the manatees. You know. And you know, I mean, yeah. It's Somewhere sad. Ariel under the sea is heartbroken. Yes, she is. Yes. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> the seagulls are going, mine, mine, they're going to take it over. But it is a sad passing. It it's, really is. It is. It's, and it's a change. It's an era, yeah. a change of that era that uh, we just talked about, that uh, Florida has changed over the years. And the, the cultural demands are higher and for something different now. Uh, our entertainment demands are huge. Now, maybe with this retraction and the covid isolation and maybe people will get back to more simpler mm-hmm. things in life mm-hmm. uh, that remains to be seen i you know we a lot of people are spending their time indoors doing computer games and you know i've got a 60 second idea here and then we'll move on to florida man i've long believed that the community of havana known for antiques mm-hmm. and um and such would be a great candidate to convert itself into America in the 1950s. Uh, just from the standpoint of, you know, embracing that that era. Florida's having, Mayberry. In essence, having yeah. music on, uh, on and, and turning the streets, you know, having a, a milkshake stand and having the service station with the guy in the bow tie. Just embracing that. I think it would be a, a drive-in. Yeah. A great tourist destination for that reason alone. I think people are longing for that. Yeah, well, boomers are aging too, and you know, that's part of the. I saw some charts the other day on workforce, and finally, the boomers line is going down, down, down. Other than at the national political, level. I'll not be contributing to that anytime soon. <laughs> well, somebody is turning sixty here, so yeah, <laughs> and I've already done that, so it's not me. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Uh, Florida man, you got a story for me. Well, yeah, it, 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 it just presented itself to me, and I had forgotten about him. Florida has a congressman named Al C. Hastings. Mm-hmm. He's 83 years old, and he's still in Congress. Uh, he recently was being investigated. Uh, there are rules in Congress about fraternizing with your staff, and, ah. you know, those kinds of things. and. Uh, the, I thought just thought this was so ironic. The House Ethics Committee dropped the probe because they found out that Alcee Hastings and his uh, this is his director in the district uh, were married, and they got married about a year ago. Now she's worked for him for nine years, but they got married a year ago, and because she was married to him, they they dropped the probe because under congressional rules. You can hire your spouse, but you can't fool around with your staff. And she's making a hundred and what a hundred sixty three thousand dollars or something a year. Uh, it's a great gig if you can get it. Yeah, and you just kind of look at that and scratch your head and go, "Wow!" I mean, plus Elsie Hastings, he's alone is is a real throwback. Uh, politician extraordinaire of the old school of i can do whatever i want and they'll keep electing me i mean this guy ran for congress and did and uh uh, he's been colorful he's been a colorful personality for the u.s senate in 1970 came in fourth out of fifth uh he was a circuit judge in broward county in 1977 and 79 carter placed him on the u.s district court and then in 1981, he was charged charged with accepting a $150,000 bribe, found not guilty in the courts, but the U.S. House took it up and uh, took up his case and impeached him 413 to 3. Okay. Uh, that would Senate, be a landslide. About a, yeah, about a year later, the Senate actually had a trial and convicted him. 
uh, on eight of 11 articles of impeachment. Uh, the vote there was 69 to 26 on just one article of impeachment. So what did he do in 1990? He, after he'd been impeached, he ran for secretary of state and got a third of the vote in the Democratic primary. And then 90, in 1990, he lost there. So in 93, he ran for the U.S. House, and he's been a congressman ever since. And people just keep reelecting him. If there is a, a poster person for term limits in Congress, this guy would be it. Let me tell you. <laughs> but he doesn't let us down. Never lets us down, no. He's Florida man. Florida man. Yeah, he's the quintessence of Florida man. Can you put one big thing into 30 seconds? Yeah, uh, sports. Uh, you know, I, I keep watching on all kinds of social media, and what I'm seeing is people uh, seem to be turning away, uh, the commentary for turning away from large organized sports, because uh, what they're saying is uh, sports has gotten political. And if no it's way. political, it's not entertainment anymore, and people are going to turn away from it, and that's a sad thing. Good to see you. Yeah, great to be here. My one big thing is we're out of time. Yeah, we have. I always seem to talk over, and then you run out of time for your big thing. I'm so sorry. We'll be back next week with All Things Florida. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.